what I really wanted to talk about, or what I really want to start with, is I noticed on the Diary of a CEO podcast, he always talks about childhood to bring things uh, back at the start. Um, yeah. Because it brings a good background to like who we are today and how we conduct ourselves. So mm-hmm. I want to bring things back to our relationship as children in the same house. How did you view it when we were really young? Did you enjoy being a big brother? How did you look at that role of being the kind of like the man of the two siblings? Um, so the big brother role, I don't think it was like enforced in me. And so I never, re- I, like I didn't instinctively, instinctively have that big brother role. And then I don't think it was enforced. So it wasn't like you're the big brother of the household. It was always just like go and do whatever you want type thing. So... I don't think I really learned that, to be quite honest. It's something that I want to instill in my children, for sure. Mm. Um, but I don't think, like, I, like I, I definitely didn't take it on as well as I should have. Um, but, yeah, no, like, it's not... It, like, it, it wasn't instinctively in me. I, I would say now it is. Like, mm. now I feel like that, that kind of protective um, way about a lot of things. But, yeah, back then it wasn't, especially when I was younger as well. I think... For me, as the younger brother, I definitely noticed some tendencies. There was like things that you taught me, and I don't think you maybe realized the gravity of them. One of them, I remember mm. being really young, and I was at that age, I can't remember, maybe four or five, where you just cry at everything. Anything happens, you're just in tears for no reason. Um, yeah. And we were out in the street playing, and something happened. I started crying. You picked <coughs> me up, and you were like, Are you a man or a mouse? And you must yeah, have been yeah. like, eight or nine years old at this time, but I can still remember distinctly, like, the colour of the sky, what people were out with us, where we were, it was round the, just round the street, um, outside of Larkspur Drive, is exactly where we were, and that's, like, a moment that stuck with me as well, like, that, it's weird how those little, kind of, interactions and conversations can have such an influence, you just, like, instilling that one little life lesson into me, changed, changed a lot of how, like, I conducted myself from there on out, so... I think retroactively looking at it, although you didn't realise that you played a big brother role, you definitely did. Um, and another really positive one was when I started playing rugby, didn't know how to tackle or like do any of that. I remember being in the, the back garden with you and you were just like, yeah. hit me, hit me, hit me, just like over and over and over again. And that really yeah, that really yeah, taught yeah. me a lot. I say, um, I'm glad. Like that same, it's weird how like, you, like people must go through life and not realize the impact that they have on other people so they'll just be kind of wandering about just doing stuff mm. like even something maybe as simple as like holding the door open for somebody is like a huge thing to one person but then it doesn't impact in your brain at all so like you never think that that was impactful but it must must have been to people um like throughout their life yeah it's pretty cool i'm, I'm glad to hear that yeah it's it's, it's weird the the impact that you can can influence other people with just without meaning to and even yeah. I think like I think that's probably where my love of business and entrepreneurship came from is because you displayed those tendencies uh from a very young age do you think yeah so I was actually thinking about this what last night where it's like inbuilt in me so the desire for freedom but there's more I can talk about that actually later on but um yeah that like desire for freedom is actually inbuilt it's not a uh, that's not even like a learned thing. It's like an actual. I think it's in both of us where the both of us are like, nah, we need to get away from like we can't do 
like the normal. It's not really the normal nine to five. There's nothing wrong with normal nine to five, but like being told what to do, like being told where to take holidays and shit like that. Like that fucking that winds me up big time. I'm just like, what? Like somebody's actually telling me where I can leave to go to another place. Like, no, I don't want that. I want complete freedom for myself. It's weird because mum and dad. I think they probably had a a big part to do with it as well. Is that they were very. I think they were very open with us. They weren't like too strict yeah. or anything in terms of like how we conducted ourselves or like even with money and stuff, they were very much just like, it's your money, you've got to yeah, kind of yeah, figure out. Money. If we asked them for advice and stuff, they would like let us know, obviously, and they were like kind of steers in the right direction. But even that one thing that stuck with me is mum used to always say that if we were coming home as children from being out playing. She's always like, I'd rather you came home muddy because it shows that you've been yeah. out adventuring and stuff. So there obviously yeah, was... Like... Sorry, Sorry, on you go. Um, yeah, I remember the wee blue book. Do you remember having the wee blue book and that was your savings account? Who was it through again? <sighs> was was it was this, yeah, it wasn't Santander. We moved to them at some nah, point. It's... Santander was the second account. I think it was the Royal Bank we had the first one through. Mm. It was the wee blue book and I always remember it was like you could see the additions. So if you if somebody put twenty pound in, you would see it like um, it would be updated on the book. They would stamp the book. I mean, this is this actually makes us feel or seem so old. Imagine like somebody was born <laughs> after two thousand. Listen to this podcast, just being like a book. What even is a book? <laughs> try, try to swipe on it. There's, there's a bit of paper. Uh, try to swipe. Try to enlarge it. It's crazy trying to explain some of these things to people that are like four or five years your junior. I was trying to explain. Yeah. I was working with this Aussie bloke here, um, and he's like 18, and I was trying to explain just like computers to him, like you know how you used to get the big fat computers where like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were like 20 inches wide and they had these massive backs to them, I was trying to explain them to him and he was just like, he couldn't understand what those were, I was trying to explain like old computer games like RuneScape and AJ Empires 2 and stuff, and he was just like, couldn't understand it. But like in my brain... Age of Empires and RuneScape, they're not old. The, the, the kind of the placeholder for them is always going to be re, like relatively modern because it was such a big part of my childhood. Mm. Like the the wee placeholder doesn't have a like a date stamp on it. It has a minor date stamp on it, but it's not like I don't think like twenty years ago. But Age of Empires was like thirty years ago. Thirty before I was born. Yeah, way, way before I was born. That's yeah, wild. I'm, I'm twenty. What age am I again? Twenty six. What age am I again? Ah. <laughs> I honestly don't know what age I'm. I'd like, I, <laughs> I, I sat 80, so 1986 to 2023. Yeah, so I'd be 27 this year, yeah. But like, I actually have to do that. Like, I have, I have to actually sit and think what age I'm. Do you, it's what terrible. What do you feel like? Do you feel your age or do you feel younger? Well, <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I definitely do feel older and I think, so again, this comes back to like another way that I've been feeling the last kind of couple of weeks. So I've stopped everything, like drinking, um, like vaping, social media, everything, like actual mm. everything that can possibly be bad for you has all been stopped. Uh, and I think that's been like part of growing up. So like I, I, people say they still feel feel eighteen. Like the the way that I process information might still be when I was eighteen, but it's through the lens of a twenty seven year old, uh, twenty six. Jesus Christ, twenty six year old. Um, so like I'm like, yeah. So like I'll still think that the the way I'll still think is like, uh, whatever. But then I'll be like, okay, what is the logical thing to do here, rather than just emotionally act on it as I would when I was an eighteen year old. So yeah, like 
I think it's just how our process information has, has changed since I was 18. So the age has forced you to understand things more so through logic than through yeah, emotions? 100%. Yeah, 100%. So, but, but then I'm driven by emotions. So like the reason, like I'm working quite hard now and it's like, you know, I'll do like during the day job and then like nighttime job is crypto. But that's driven purely through emotions of like, I don't want to be, like I don't want MD telling me when I can take holidays that time. Yeah, like thinking about, you know, I want, so this is what I want, but okay, let's think long term here. I can't spend 10 grand on a car because then I'll have less money to do X, Y, and Z. It's going to take me a long time to earn that back, or it'll take me time to earn that back. So why don't I spend three and a half grand on a car, get something really, really boring that'll look like an old man, mm. but at least it's going to uh, work and it'll do me well, essentially. So would you say you're That's more conservative as a 26 year old in comparison to a 23? Uh, God, yeah, conservative, yeah. Well, so but in some things, so I would say I'm more goal oriented now. So, for example, I'm looking now at like, okay, so if I want, so for example, one of my goals is to make thirty million before I'm thirty, right? Which sounds wild, and people listen to this be like, what? That doesn't make sense. But through crypto, like I've I've already done the amount of X's, the amount of times your money to get there. And I only caught the last two weeks to build running crypto. So if I'm there for the two years, then making that same amount of X's is shouldn't be much of an issue, basically, because it was things that I was actively going, okay, I'll go do X, Y, and Z. And then like it was the action then result, basically. It wasn't just luck, it was action then result. Um so yeah, so the thing I'm thinking is if I want to make that million before I'm 30, then I need that dry powder, I need that capital mm. to be able to put in. It. Um, and so it means that you can't buy like a nice car or whatever. I've got the money there, but I'm like, I shouldn't be spending on that. I should have something really, really boring. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's how I'm processing stuff now. Yeah, so just using, so being more loose with money, but in the right way, I guess. Like you're more conservative on the things that don't matter, but if you've got this one goal, this one overarching thing that you want to achieve there's way more capital and money and time put in towards that yeah 100 percent. yeah it's more yeah it's more just focused on the stuff that actually matters that's actually going to like move the needle forward so it's why i stopped drinking it's why you like i've stopped like any frivolous activity it's all just kind of like working gym and then see my girlfriend robin so do you I mean, I guess this is only a thing that you can understand with age, I guess, but do you feel a sense of urgency or a sense of calm? Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to compare like twenty six year old you to twenty three year old me, and I think you probably thought exactly the same as me when you were my age. So I'm just trying to understand from your perspective what's changed in your mindset in the last three years. Well, so I've done everything that I want to do. I've been travelling multiple times. I've seen the world. It's not that I don't want to de- not like see the world again, but like I know, like I, I don't want to do it again. Mm. Like I want to go and see things, but I want to do it in like fancy hotels, blah blah. Uh, I want so like if I want uh, the newest Ferrari or whatever, like I know what I need to do now. There's no there's no question about what I need to do, and the like drinking and stuff is just a distraction or like. Uh, 
spending my money on some new hobby is just a distraction. So what's changed is basically it's just like a solidification of like years and years of experience of this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And now it's all solidified and I'm like, eh, like now I can actually like understand what what or what's going to move the needle basically. And it's now like, okay, I can understand what's going to move the needle, understand what, like I need to take all those, um, the way I think of it is like a rocket trying to reach escape velocity. So everyone's got the like possibility to reach escape velocity. Every single person, they just need to get out of the like inner atmosphere and into space. And they like normally you've got all these parachutes holding you back. So like all these distractions, your phone, um, again drinking, like going to party and that type of thing. And it's so difficult to get rid of them. But then once you do, it makes it so much easier to get to where you want to go. So that's that's what I'm kind of like. That's what I've learned over time. Is like you can't burn the candle at both ends. You can't have, or you can Some people can, I guess, but most people can't burn the candle at both ends. They can't not put in the work and still get there. Mm. And yeah, that's what I'm just. I've, I've basically just consigned myself to my fate. I've just went. Oh well, if I want to do this, then I have to do it. So just knuckle down, and it's fun. That's the weird thing about it is like I actually love it. Like I love sitting up to late at night reading reports on crypto. That's enjoyable. Um. Yeah, it's like a, a different type of enjoyment, obviously, but that hedonistic thing, I'm just I'm done with that. And I think for the like more than that, I would say my entire outlook on the world has changed as well. So as I've became like tougher and harder in the sense of like like just go and do it, get your head down, just go and do it. Like regardless of how you feel, just go and do it. Like I, I've that's changed my outlook on like the world as well, and I'm like. The world's quite soft, and I was quite soft for a while as well, and I kind of hated that, and I hated being soft, and so the distraction from being soft was like, again, going and drinking and going out and doing all the stuff you shouldn't be doing, and, and social media and technology media, yeah. and porn and anything that gives you cheap exactly. dopamine. Exactly, cheap dopamine is easy. Yep, so I've quit all, but I've not quit social media because I'm still on Twitter, um, because I need that for crypto, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's just cheap, and see once you start to understand like the neurological and porn as well, like the actual the damage that does to the brain. Yeah. Um, it's like you're like, oh my god, is it like when you when you actually look at it from that perspective, right? And then you kind of zoom out and you go, okay, right. So if that's what say social media, for example, and you go, okay, so but like what, what like I don't understand why it exists. Oh, but there's a company that made it because they profit off of that dopamine hit that you're getting, they actually profit off that because it's like a rat in a cage, basically, is what it ends up being. It's like a wee rat in a box and you feed it a wee bit of, um, you know, if you, I don't know if you've seen this experiment, it flicks a switch and it's dopamine. Yeah. It'll walk over like glass. It'll, <clears throat> it'll do anything just to trigger that dopamine hit. And it's the same thing, except of, instead of us walking over glass, we are not doing the things we should be doing. And the things we should be doing are actually really, really rewarding. Like getting up early and seeing the sun, the sunrise, and having meaningful relationships with people, and abandoning um, high-speed online uh, pornographies. All like it's, that's good. Like, you you should be doing that stuff. You should be going out and seeking relationships. And it's all so. I think the the whole point, the thing that I'm actually getting to here, is it's all self-fulfilling. So like. Uh, the relationships things, if you abandon um, online internet pornography, you then desire to go out and meet somebody, you go and meet somebody, 
the relationship's really, really good and so you don't need that anymore. Like and it's like this this little wheel, same with the gym. The more you go to the gym, the better you feel, the better you feel, the more inclined you're gonna to be to go to the gym, blah blah. And it's just like what and it's like cutting those parachutes off and oh my god, it's so much easier to reach escape velocity now. There's so much to unpack in there. I want to go into first of all just the idea of dopamine but maybe jump into dopamine fasting and stuff as well I think Mm -hmm. the reason you mentioned there like all of these amazing things like seeing the sunrise and working out and finding a real life partner they all do feel amazing but all of these things have that initial barrier to entry of it's kind of hard to do in comparison to just sitting on your phone watching TikTok or YouTube like that's it's the easy sedated option and I remember writing an article on this about two years ago about how we're now just a generation of like sedated people because we've got YouTube shorts and we've got TikTok and we've got all these things it's just like it's easier to forget about your problems and just go and do that and that's something I've even found with Celic producing the podcast so I've been doing a lot of mm-hmm. editing, getting clips out of it, making sure it's all right. Um, like maybe I'm doing transitions, I need to cut certain parts out, put music over certain parts for short form stuff. And it's been a learning process. And while I've been learning that, like it's been tough because there's these things that I can't figure out for the life of me and I'll need to YouTube about five tutorials to figure that one thing out and then that helps. And it's a recurring wheel. It feels really fucking hard at the time. But knowing that I'm producing better content every time feels really good. So it's that initial barrier to entry, which I think stops so many people. Um, but it's, as you say, like I'm beginning to learn how worth it it is. And I think like I've listened to a lot of podcasts recently with um, like very inspirational men, very like admirable men. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Williamson, I don't know if you've heard of him. He does the Modern Wisdom one. No, I'll be like, oh, Chris Williamson, I'll, I'll take that. So him and Andrew Huberman and stuff, they all talk about the benefits of getting up early and seeing the sun, seeing the sunlight in the morning, getting your exercise in, yeah. not watching porn. Like, it, it all makes such a yeah. difference. I just wish there was a... There's, I guess there's not too much... Like, there's a, a conversation on the fringe of society, but a lot of people look at the types of people that talk about this and think, oh, like, you're a bit cringe, you can have a bit of social media, but there's right. usually the people that I, use I've it I've got so something much. on that. On you go. Yeah. So, um, it's a defence mechanism, so I need to quickly grab this thought. So I, I, I can interrupt, but I need to really quickly grab this. So, uh, it's a defence mechanism against their own insecurities, so... Uh, like Huber, right, so the, the pushback against like John Peterson, Huberman, uh, even I mean, people have mixed views on Andrew Tate, um, Andrew Tate, Chris Williamson. So they all talk about like, listen, this is what you should be going doing, right? The reason people attack it is because defence mechanism against them feeling inadequate and feeling like, oh, I, I don't feel like like not being able to compete. That's what it is. And like I felt that I felt like that for ages. It's only really the last year that I've been like, I'm going to compete. Like I need because I've been very capable. But I've not been like pushing that my best type thing. So it's it's purely a defense mechanism. It's people that do all these things are like, I feel comfortable in the box, I feel like comfortable in this reality. And then when somebody like Huberman, Chris Williamson, blah, 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 comes along and goes, actually, this is the neurological um perspective on it, or actually you should be going out and doing this, 
the, the pushback comes from them, their reality being broken and somebody telling them, by the way, you're not up to scratch. Like you're actually not up to scratch and you should be going, and if you want to feel like a man, if you want to be a man, you should be going out and doing this stuff. And it's just, that's purely a defence mechanism. It's like them going, oh, I don't want my reality to shatter out. I want to go out and still drink at the weekend. Like, yeah, you can, but you also can't say, like, I am this person if you're going out and drink at the weekend. Like, you kind of have both. You kind of have it both ways. So I just really needed to quickly jump on that because it like, came into my head there. Yeah, I think a defence mechanism is probably the best way to do it. I think the thing you touched on there is sobriety and the concept of that. And this is something I mm-hmm. waver back and forth between. I done, obviously, 2020, I done entirely sober. Um, and I just absolutely loved it, like, completely adored it. Yeah. And um, I done it a little while sober for 2021 while I was away. And then I done maybe four months. And then I done maybe two months of drinking. And then I'm back to being sober again. And it's something yeah. I fall in and out of. Um and I think I think coming into twenty twenty I had such a good reason behind being sober. And for me it's always like the difference between achieving something larger in yourself. So we're both pursuing goals larger in ourselves. I'm wanting to make this podcast mm-hmm. and talk to amazing people. You wanna do the crypto and be completely self sustainable. And the alcohol for most people, if not everyone, acts in complete opposition to that. And it really does feed into that sort of cheap dopamine wheel as well. And that it's just a complete avoidance and forgetful. And it's it really all feeds yeah. into the same thing, is that like all of these things are here. And the reason we partake in them is because most people's lives aren't satisfactory enough. And the have two options. They either want to forget about it and they use all these things like social media and drinking and porn and so on or they decide to tackle it and tackling it feels like shit. You might not make progress for years and it's going to suck but it's the only way mm-hmm. that you're ever going to find fulfillment because think about it, like this is what I always think five, ten years down the line, imagine you're still doing the same shit you do today. Exactly, exactly. It's one of the things that stops me from like relapsing into stuff like that is because I'm like, if I do, then I'm just starting that counter again. I'm just like, oh, fuck, cannot be asked doing that again. Um, the what was the effort thing I was going to pick up on? So the effort. So one thing, another thing I've done is I've like increased my testosterone levels massively, absolutely massively. Have you so, gone like, about doing that? Supplements. So a purely supplement. So uh, the right type actually. So Tonka Ali and. I don't know. Um, Tonka Ali and the Doja Aggressus are the two that have like boosted the best levels. Pretty huge. I've not had them measured, but Jesus Christ, I feel different. Um, really? In what way? Like these two, yeah. Go through the exact, the exact kind of things because I've heard of Tonka before. I've seen a lot of like empirical yeah. and anecdotal evidence about Tonka. I've not heard the other one. So talk me through both, and then talk me through like the exact kind of changes you felt and how long it took to feel those changes? So I think it's the Doja Agdestis. No, it'll be Tonka Ali that um, actually increases the size of like testicles as well because your body actually starts producing more testosterone. So this is the opposite from injecting, is it called endogenous when it's outside your body? Uh, endogenous testosterone, which a lot of people use for the gym. So a lot of people like say inject test and they're like, it's safer than using... Um, 
androgenic anabolic steroids. Uh, it's not because you're basically what you're doing is you're telling your body you don't need to produce testosterone anymore because you're getting it from an outside source, an exogenous source. Um, so that's the complete opposite of this. This basically um, increases your your body's ability to produce testosterone and it like can double people's testosterone. I mean, I, I, mine went through the roof. But there is a kind of further point um, that was put on this and it uh, basically makes effort feel easy. So now... Yeah, okay, uh, you can talk about that. Um, so yeah, Fedoja Agrestis and Tonka Tom, Ali, uh, both of them, I mean, like, completely changed everything. So like now, like I can wake up at any time, day or night, and just get out of the house and go and go to the gym or like go a walk or just sit there on my laptop whether I do some work. Like it's just easy. Like effort is easy now. So I'd say that's the first big um, change that I found. The effort was just, it was just, so easy like everything in life is now it's not it's not easy but it's like i enjoy being like okay i've got another 10 hours of sitting here and i'm like that used to like i used to dread that I used to be like oh, fuck, 10 hours of say, studying because i was studying for my comp here uh, my data plus exam so i want to become a data scientist just as like a job uh, we kept on the side um so i passed my data analyst uh, program yesterday congratulations and so i would be sitting thank you um, I'd be sitting for like 12 hours just studying and I used to dread being like because studying is boring as shit right there's no getting around that sitting reading something then going do, 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 do I remember this it's boring as shit right mm. uh, and so I used to dread that but now effort's easy I was just I was like okay 10 hours cool I'll just do another hour and I'll take a break and I'll do another hour and take a break and it's like just things in my brain everything was just kind of flowing I was just like yep this is an absolute canter like this isn't an issue at all. So I'd say that's the first kind of major um, feeling that I've got from it. And I think like stopping drinking, stopping vaping, um, stopping online porn, all that type of thing, that's really, really helped as well. It's like, it's reduced my dopamine. So I'm not looking for those dopamine hits anymore as well. So what all those things do is they give you, they elevate your level of dopamine. So then you're constantly searching for that higher level. But then if you teach your body um, that that higher level doesn't exist, because eventually your dopamine will just regulate. It just regulates to like normal levels. Um, if you teach you that it doesn't exist, then it doesn't go searching for it anymore. So it gets satisfaction from like smaller, easier things, easier wins. So for example, like learning a, a section uh, in your study guide or something, your body's like, okay, well, we'll just increase your dopamine a wee bit because um, you're quite happy with that. And the wee bit is actually at the max level of dopamine anyway. So you're feeling really, really good. And then you want to do it again because you're going to hunt for that dopamine and then again and again and again. So, yeah, uh, increase my testosterone through that. Yeah, everything just feels easy. And I think testosterone's kind of shunned in modern society. So, like, this whole cancel culture, I mean, I hate it. I hate cancel culture on both sides, by the way. So, like, left and right. But I think I'd say the kind of, like, left is more... Um, prolific with it uh, but like not not specifically going after testosterone but going after like manliness and going after masculinity um masculinity and stuff like that masculinity is fucking great i love it i love mm. feeling like an actual man a big manly man yeah. big manly man without a beard unfortunately but <laughs> um that's <laughs> brutal in it it's, it's purely our genetics we're just dumb yeah, we've not um, <laughs> I was I honestly I looked into it for a few years because I mean this is just topic on uh, the beard roller yeah the beard roller the derma roller and then there was you could take yeah. biotin 
and there was another supplement you could take as well and i just never done it for long enough like i'm not even sure if our faces would ever work with it um we could give it a try but i'm, I'm sure it probably wouldn't lead to any success but masculinity is something that i'm only now coming to to grasps with and it's only through the education of these kind of like male role figures online and the things that they're teaching very much speak to me from a moral standpoint they're like oh yeah you should be self-sufficient and you should want to do hard things like go to the gym and you should want to care for the people around you you should take care of your partner and your friends and everyone else like it just there's obviously there can be bad parts to to any to being feminine or being masculine but the core core moral tenets of what they're teaching i really really agree with and i love the personal responsibility side of it i don't think people realize how good that feels as well to actually like to have control that's as it's control over your life it's like it gives you back that control being like okay i'm going to hold myself responsible for this Mm. like it has yeah the the, the controls uh, which i think it just comes really to that like wasting your life away on social media and everything else that you just feel as if you don't have any control and it's do you know what it's like a less like it's just this fucking anxiety around not doing anything that you're just filled with if you're not doing the thing that you know you want to do do you know what i mean yeah 100% yeah and it's a thing everybody understands the purpose but and it's not md's fault right the way i was thinking about it is a lot of the kind of pushback against manliness culture is it's the personal responsibility thing and so I think a lot of people, even though they don't acknowledge it, I think they might feel a bit hurt because they were maybe brought up in... So they were brought into this world, right? And this world, unfortunately, has all these stressors and all these things that can distract you and all these like bad things. And so I think, I mean, for, for me anyway, that's how I felt. I was like, well, it's not my fault. Like, you know, there's social media out there. Like, I, I didn't, you know, want to get addicted to social media. But there has to come a point where you go... Right, okay, these, this is the hand that I'm dealt. How do I best work with the hand that I'm dealt? So the hand that you're dealt is you have access to um, high-speed online pornography, you have access to social media, blah, 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 right, all those things. Or I grew up in Scotland, there's drinking culture, right? That's the hand you're dealt. So now you need to work with it. And I think that's where like, a lot of the pushback comes from the manliness culture is people feeling attacked because like, you're basically saying to them, listen, you're not doing your best if you're... Um, like doing all this stuff basically or like you you will feel like more of a man and you will feel more responsible and you'll feel better about yourself if you go and do x y and z but it's just time for people it just takes time for them to like come around to that that'll be a thinking and constantly looking at it as well constantly thinking right okay and this is what i need to do i think such an important part of that is your exposure to these concepts and to these theories and to people that think the same as you as well and our ability i mean this could transfer to women as well but like our ability as men to be able to have conversations mm-hmm. with us like we've i mean we've maybe talked briefly about this before but i don't think we've ever went this in depth on masculinity and the importance it has to us and i had a conversation with kyle Muir not too long ago and we were talking about having our each other's backs being accountable for each other supporting one another and endeavors and stuff like that and it's just like 
it's so few and far between in the past that I've had these really raw, honest conversations with other men of like, oh, like I really aspire to be like this, but maybe sometimes I struggle with it. I fall down sometimes. Like yeah. it's just it's hard to be like that vulnerable with other guys and especially out of the blue. Do you know what I mean? Because everyone's just continuing but, on their little hamster wheels. Everyone's going about their day lives. It's hard to just kind of stop them in their tracks and yeah. be like, look, I might actually need a bit of a hand here. But part of being vulnerable is being secure and like knowing who you are. And the only way to know who you are is to like go and do the things that you should be doing basically. Because in order to feel vulnerable, you need to be quite comfortable that like if they reject you, it's all right because they're not rejecting you they're just rejecting what you're saying like it's not as if you or even if they do reject you like it's fine because you're not going to reject you would you say you're the people you surround yourself with or your friends are you able to engage in these kind of conversations what's your relationship like with your close friends yeah 100 percent. so i think recently i think quite a lot of us um like everybody was a bit of a fanny in school and I think that's kind of actually helped people a lot because it's like everybody's grown up, like MD can jump in like our group chat or MD can say face to face, be like, listen, I'm struggling with blah, blah. Everybody will be there for them, but like, absolutely everybody will be there for them. Mm. And it's, I think the reason that is, is because everybody's been through the ringers, everybody's went through the shit. And that's because they've all been fannies in school and they've been in bad jobs or they've been in bad situations or whatever. They've not had it easy, basically. Mm. Um, maybe through their own doing as well. Um, and so yeah everybody's been in those bad uh, positions and then everybody's came out the other side so everybody knows like like what it's like and stuff like that and there's a lot of kind of like manly men as well that um, or like manly people that I'm that I'm pals with and that really do embody that like um, uh, oh, I can't really think of as like the gym but like the gym hard jobs you know doing overtime uh being responsible for for other people as well that type of thing um that's like yeah that kind of like traditional manliness there's like a lot of embodiment of that have you reached out to any mentors or people maybe older than you to kind of help guide you through because that's something i'm kind of looking at at the moment like we obviously have our relationship but i'm looking for maybe someone within australia within the same kind of business areas me or someone just kind of going through the same things but a bit older to kind of mentor me through things is that something you've thought about before nah not really so i mean it's something i've thought about before but i think quite a lot of up until now quite a lot of it's been pride and i've wanted to do it myself so to basically say like i've done this without any external help Mm. now i would reach out but it would need to be for a very specific reason so i wouldn't do it for the like I feel comfortable enough now in myself in almost any situation, but it wouldn't be for like a like a comforting hand type thing. It would it'd be more for like you've got domain specific knowledge and I want to learn from you and I'm quite happy to like work under you, whatever. Like it'd be purely for like to it sounds very extractive, but um like I'll provide something for you, but like I'll work for you free or more, and then in return I want uh, all the knowledge everything you know blah blah I want you to teach me all that stuff like that's why it would be it wouldn't be for for comfort type thing because well yeah maybe maybe I'd need that a wee bit but um, nah I, I wouldn't be looking too much for that personally and I, I haven't uh, previously however when I was setting up my business there been a lot of business owners that kind of took me under the wing and unfortunately my business went under yeah was that with uh, Change Protein 
age 14, yeah. Talk me through your kind of experience with entrepreneurship and how you've ended up going for a slightly different angle because I had this conversation with Kyle Mayer and he was always very entrepreneurial um, and he was speaking about his journey to now trading and the personal responsibility mm-hmm. that involves and why he enjoys it more than maybe a traditional bricks and mortar business. So talk me through your journey and why you've now pivoted to this. So, I mean, I was just unsuccessful and I think most people in business are unsuccessful. I think like 90, 97% after five years or something like that. And um, selling a product now is almost impossible because anything you can come up with can just be produced cheaper and faster in another country such as China, India, Mexico. And the monopolies on physical products in business are just like huge. It's like almost impossible to break them down. So you need to either have a brand or a brand new product. As soon as you have a brand new product, someone in China is just going to manufacture it if it's good enough. And so that, that's disappeared. So you need to have a brand. You need to have really, really strong branding. And it's very difficult to stick out in an arena where social media has been around for 10 years and people have had 10 years experience building brands in social media. It's really, really difficult to do. Mm. So that, that didn't work for me. And I didn't like, I hated how fake social media was as well. So social media is the main promotion method for kind of most things. Unless you're selling nails or as in like physical nails or screws or like bolts or whatever, yeah. you're going to be promoted through social media. <coughs> and it was just so fake. Everything was false. Everything was a lie. And so I think crypto was like the, oddly enough, the kind of anti, the antithesis of that. But it was very, very real. Like the ability to lose all your money was right there. And I've done it multiple times. Lost 80 grand in a day. In fact, it was six hours once. I went to hike, eight, came back 80, to hike. 80, 80 grand, grand in six hours. How does eight, that happen? Zero, 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 zero. How does that happen? Because um, I was in a thing called Butter and Milk Token, and I genuinely thought it was going to make me a millionaire. And I kind of was right if I'd just not spent most of it. So basically, I was in a thing called Butter and Milk Token. I put I don't know, maybe five grand, six grand or something. It was like a good amount of money, but um, I mean, I was one of 80 holders at the start. Fucking tiny, so small. And uh, it went up and up and up and I kept on selling. I was selling, you know, a wee 20 grand here and a wee 10 grand here, blah, blah. And eventually I was like, no, do you know what? I'm just going to hold it and just go try and become a millionaire off this. How do you process that emotionally? Um, How do you go from being complete elation to... Something else you detach from it, or you like? Did you ride it at that point? Yeah. So I mean, the the thing that I was going to say about the difference between like physical brick and mortar business and crypto is crypto's real, which I loved about it. Like that was a very real thing. Like you have lost this, you're responsible for that loss, right? Because you're the one who clicked the buttons, you're the one who didn't click the buttons, you did everything, and therefore you're responsible for it. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. It was completely like the world was in my control. Because I think that's been something that I've been kind of missing um, was the control of my own life. And I think that's most people are missing. That's why they, they turn to things like porn and drink and drugs and stuff like that. Because um, they're, they're like, they don't have that control. And so crypto was completely within my control. There was very few external factors where I couldn't be held responsible because all the information or most of the information is there. Um, and so, yeah, the processing of it was basically just like, well, it's done. Um, there's the opportunity to earn it again. You just need to, I mean, it's not like the opportunity's not gone. Like, it's a bit like going bankrupt. Like, once you're bankrupt, clean slate. Right, okay, start again. Like, you can either sit about and be like, oh, it's terrible, blah, blah. You can kind of go, right, well, I'm bankrupt. And 
this is a bad situation, but what am I going to do to go and make that better? Like, you just mm. start again. You just literally just move a foot in front of another foot, and then another foot, and another foot, and then up oh, there you go. You're like, you're doing well again. It's as simple as that. Um, I mean, we're lucky we so come yeah, from I, I think somewhat of a privileged background. Not, not like, I mean, totally our, privileged. But we're not super wealthy or anything like mum and dad. No, no. We aren't incredibly wealthy, but we know that we'd have a safety net if, if we lost everything, had zero pennies yeah. in our bank so, account, we could come back and mum and dad would take yeah. care of us and we could start again. Um, something yeah, the, something Hormozy always says is that... Alex? Yeah, he was talking about a podcast recently and he was saying that if he could give away all his money and start again at 23, he would because he has the knowledge that he has now and that's like his most important resource uh-huh. is that he just knows he has like the mindset and the resource to work up again. So he's like, if I lost it all tomorrow, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a problem because I know how to make money. So it's like, he doesn't look at like money as the actual capital, like his capital as how he frames yeah. things and what he knows and how he knows how to build a business. And part of that capital is, I guess, he's like, his networks as well, which is just yeah, like... So Grant Cardone's similar to that as well, whereby it's like, I think he goes bankrupt twice a year or something. And the whole point of it is, he's like, I want to be hungry for money and I don't want liquid capital. He's like, I want to go and earn more. So, like, he deliberately bankrupts himself. He deliberately, like, put money into so, illiquid assets, like real estate and buys jets, whatever the fuck he does. Literally. He does all this mad shit. Um, and it's deliberately to put himself in that hunger mindset because all he's done is built up that, like, domain-specific knowledge around building businesses, whatever it is. And he's like, I'm so confident, or he must be so confident in it, that he can quite easily, quite happily go back up and go, right, what we're doing now, what we're doing now, what we're doing now. Yeah, it'll be really cool to get to that point. How close have you ever came to bankrupt? Would it be the time you came home from travelling? Within within the past 10 years, what's the closest you've been to bankrupt? Like, What's the, the minimum your bank balance has ever been at? Oh, my bank balance has always been healthy. I've always saved and I've always had a job constantly. I mean, ever since I've been 16, the first time I was unemployed after 16, I went travelling, but everything was budgeted for. So, I'd, yeah, I've not really been anywhere near been bankrupt, um, unfortunately. Not a very good answer, but yeah, I've always had like savings constantly. It's like inbuilt in me now. It's just to always save, always, always save. Do you think there's any like, credit? I, I used to to the thought of having like getting yourself like investing in yourself to such a degree you maybe have all the equipment or have all the resources to build something and you take that kind of Grant Cardone mindset where you're near bankrupt and you're just that hungry for money that there's like there's got to be you in an apartment and you've got to fucking find a way to pay rent next month like that level of hunger yeah 100% I think the reason I didn't grow um, previously was because I had like a job and I had money and stuff like that and I think, like, the actual, the worst situation, I wish I knew what this was called. God, that's going to annoy me. It was a podcast, Joe Rogan podcast, and the guy, I think, he goes down to Congo or something. I can't remember what he calls it. He calls it Beta something. And he says, sometimes the worst situation is actually the better one in the long run. So, like, if you... Oh, I can't remember what it was. A good example of it would be going to uni and then coming out and the likelihood is you're going to get paid less. That's a terrible example. 
but you get paid less than somebody that's like Bark or a plumber or something but then they've still done four years of experience um, but yeah quite a lot of the time like yeah losing your job and then having to find a bit paid in is makes you more creative it makes you more like really pushes you that's exactly what I'm doing now is I'm like okay I need to do X, Y and Z by Tuesday How, like what's the quickest way what's the fastest way to do this and then going and finding um, that way it's completely changed my mindset and stuff it's like okay um it, again it comes into like the buying the cars and stuff like that's like buying a shit car so i've got more money to do because i know i'll be put in this position again and so i'm like okay i need to uh, build a business right okay i'm gonna need five grand for that right okay so um keep five grand spare and then you have to use that on the business mm. yeah i i think there's, there's massive merit in that um that way of thinking something you mentioned in there is the process of iterating and iterating fast trying out new mm-hmm. things seeing if they work what what else have you iterated on outside of outside of maybe skills in business like have you done iterations of diet sort of exercise like how did you find what your kind of optimum is in your kind of personal life probably pushing myself as much as i can so just push 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 until you have a bit of resistance like go beyond that and then reflect on how you felt um after that so like with training for example i was trying to train twice a day a five days a week yeah morning morning night um which was just too much like like you you can't really keep that up my body just wasn't wanting it the whole idea was like i now know roughly where my limit is and that's a train three days take a day off train three days take a day off that type of thing um so yeah, I mean, I would say probably push myself to my limits um, to find out like where my, my limits are. And again, that's became easier because I've got higher testosterone levels. I'm not distracting myself with other stuff. Like, that, that Pushing yourself is just now easy. Um, in terms of stuff that I've actually iterated on, I'd say it's like, yeah, diet. Well, my diet's pretty shit, actually. So I eat all... It's like, I'm not a little dirty bulk, basically, is what I'm on. But I ate three cookies last night. But then I also had... <laughs> all my macros as well so I'm just eating horrors and I still can't put on weight like I've got a wee bit of extra fat but are you trying to put on size or strength or what's the what's the plan so my strength's actually flying up so I've been using again beside the Fidoja Grestis and the Tonka Ali I've also got a thing called Turkesterone I don't know if you've ever heard of that before is Turkesterone not actual like steroids so it's it's essentially an anabolic steroid but it's non-androgenic so it's completely natural it's i think it's the thing that like insects and plants use you know like, insects grow really really fast and mm. they like shed their like, apparently it's called a uh, increased levels of tocasterone or ectosterone i think is the, the broad name for can them can you get that like via um, a pharmacy or online like how how do you get your hands on something like that completely legally yeah you, you just jump on bodybuilding warehouse get loads of it in fact really? bodybuilding warehouse, uh, bodybuilding warehouse I wasn't paid for this, by the way, Bodybuilding Warehouse. Um, they've got a deal on right now. You buy three tubs. No, five tubs, you get 25% off. Three tubs is 15% off. And if you use the code, I can't even know this. A, B, nah, I can't remember. Maybe 50% off, 50 off. You get 50% off your order as well. It's crazy. So cheap. That's crazy. I thought that stuff was illegal. No, no. Completely. I mean, it's like, literally, it's like, uh, it's like basically like creatine 
it's like the same legality as creatine. It's just like less understood than creatine, less studied, um, could be toxic, etc. Et but it's not. I mean, I, I feel great on it. Um, but yeah, the, the, the point of me saying that was my, my weights are flying up every single week. So I started lifting. I think, I think I'm on my seventh week on Wednesday. So this Wednesday will be my seventh, the start of my seventh week. Um, and basically every single week I've noticed a 2.5 kilo increase since I started taking to Kesto on two weeks ago a 2.5 kilo increase into every single one of my lifts every single week as in my squats went up by 2.5 kilos uh, my bench press bench press up by 2.5 kilos every single week for the last two weeks or both weeks basically that's some wild stuff I might need to yeah, have a look crazy. into that and see see what's going on with it so by the sounds of it, you're kind of figuring out a lot of, like, what you're enjoying at this point. Like, you've got, you know, the career you want to do. You've got this kind of backup job. You've got yourself a girlfriend now. You've got some money behind you. I want to go back to, before we go too deep into that in the future, I want to go back into, like, the things that you tried in the past that you realised you didn't like. And something we talked about before was travelling, so I wanted to kind of cover on that. What was so amazing about Japan? Um, yeah, so like being on the subway, so going from the subway from the airport into Tokyo, like everybody, everybody had old haircuts. So everybody was like had like wee bob things, which may have been just the style, but old it was the style haircuts. back in like early two thousand. What do you mean by old TV? haircuts? Right, type if you can type in old Japanese haircuts, it comes up. Yeah. You know, like a wee bob, like a wee bob for a man. <laughs> nah, hold on. <laughs> it was nearly like that. Uh, oh, 2005. Did Japanese. you just get the picture of the samurai looking dude? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Or> no. <laughs> Not like that. So if, you t- if you type in 2005 Japanese haircut, everybody's still cutting about with them. 2005, right? Everyone going to be so many. Everyone who's listening in on a on their phone or whatever. 2005 Japanese haircut. Men's. Hey, you don't even need to type men's. It's just you see all the guys there. That's that's actually what it was like. Unreal. And like, what were your interactions with them? <laughs> were they friendly? Were they were they interested that you were from Scotland? What was that kind of? Yeah. So I mean, people people are very reserved in Japan. Uh, so unless you go and speak to them, they won't speak to you. So no, like when I was in China and when I was in India people would come up they would just grab you and be like we want a photo with you but they wouldn't even say that they'd be just like camera would just get thrust in your face and then a photo would be taken because they'd be like why is this white man walking about and it was like in pushcar in India or something where like nobody well it's not no white people have been before but very few like bother to go mm. but in uh, Japan everybody's very respectful it's all about like old culture and old tradition and again actually have to use like or a lot of people were using flip phones because it was like a traditional thing to use so they don't like um you so they don't like using smartphones, but it's tradition to use flip phones, for example. So they'll still use flip phones. <clears throat> um That's wild that yeah, they're still using would... flip phones. Like I thought I think of Japan, I think one of the most technologically yeah, advanced social media addicted kind of cultures out there. I guess I just don't know enough about it. Nah, it's very, very rooted in tradition. There wasn't actually a lot of social media uh, like cultures that well from what I remember a lot of people weren't on their phones but again this was four and a half years ago so things have probably changed since then um, 
But no, I loved it. Everybody was really nice. Everybody was very polite. There was actually there was an incident when I was on an escalator, an escalator ride, and you know you might stand on one side and not stand on the other, mm-hmm. like for people to walk, and then the other ones were standing. Yeah. So this was a completely empty escalator. So I just stood on whatever it was, left or right side, I can't remember. And, <laughs> and then I had my headphones and I didn't realise, and a queue had formed behind me. Right. <laughs> so there was enough space to get round the other side. Right. This is an escalator, but, and I'm not a big guy. <laughs> There's enough space, but they just they didn't move around me because the left-hand side was for standing or whatever, and the right-hand side was for walking. And I stood on the walking side, but I was actually standing. And so the queue just formed behind me. Nobody moved. Nobody just went round. They just stood behind me and had a big line. <laughs> and I remember just looking around like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> no, nobody was angry. Nothing. There wasn't, like, there was no, there was no animosity. And yeah. I just kind of moved over and the folk the full queue moved like an actual big herd of sheep <laughs> there was no animosity nobody was like shouting nobody was staying they just kind of went then just fucking on their way and I was like what this actually cannot be real it's just it's like the the very very rigid very um, stuck in the ways which isn't a bad thing I'm saying stuck in the ways and people think it's a bad thing it's not I loved it I absolutely loved it uh, everyday style or a lot of people sleep on floors um, yeah, it's called a tradition. If I'm, in not, if I'm not going to get this wrong, it's something I looked into for a while. It's called a fuki buton, and it's fuki buton, right. yeah, essentially a Japanese sleeping mat. And apparently, it's supposed to be much better for your posture because it's more yeah. of a hard surface. There's less of a mattress between you, um, and a lot yeah. of people use it in the minimalist community because you can like roll up, um, and it's supposed to be way cleaner and stuff. Because during the day when it's sunny, you can like sit outside in the sun like a reds of rid of any of the germs and stuff. If you think of a mattress, it's fucking disgusting. Like, you can clean yeah. you can clean the sheets and stuff, but when do you, you throw your mattress out every few years once you've slept in it in disgusting states for multiple yep. years at a time? So yeah, the Fuki boot on seems to be the way to go in terms of both your posture or your cleansiness. Did you... So one yeah. of the things I found about travelling, like when I went to Berlin, when I was there... It's the only place I've ever th- I've ever been where I thought they are more advanced as more advanced than us culture wise. So the music I think like the music and the comedy and everything else in the UK is pretty advanced culture wise. We're quite on that forefront. I think like in comparison mm-hmm. to like European things or like maybe like parts of America and stuff like that as well. I think the UK just has a way of doing things that's just like a bit a bit funnier. Or the music just comes out a bit better. But I went to Berlin and I remember like walking around and I was like, ah, oh, these people know something that we don't. Did you find that yeah, yeah, yeah. in any manner when you were in Japan that you were kind of like got this sense like, oh, they're doing things better than, like they, they've just got a better yeah. way of doing things in certain respects? I would say maybe different. I don't know if it's necessarily better. But in Europe, for example, the outdoor culture was great. Loved that. Um, when I went to Japan, the like tradition, so it's very much like, and I think that's something that's missing <clears throat> in what you would call like Western values or maybe English-speaking countries, probably Europe as well, is like Western values. So whatever people's views are in religion, I'm just saying as an example, religion, um, like the Arabic religion, eh, the Arabic religion, Jesus Christ, um, uh, the Islamic religion is really, really, really good for like taking care of the elderly, um, feeding people when they're in your home, 
uh, traditional values of like this is what men do, this is what women do. Again, whatever your views on that, I'm not really sure. But I think just the idea of tradition is lost within the West, and I think that was definitely, definitely espoused in Japan. They do have a lot of negatives to their culture, like the uh, with the population. Um, like population collapse they're going to be one of the first countries along with China for the population to just fully collapse and basically the entire society collapse they've, uh, they've got like a loneliness like, epidemic don't they in Japan yeah yeah. so it's like it, the culture's so rigid over there that um, everybody just keeps themselves to themselves type thing like nobody's there's no real interaction must, yes loneliness epidemic everybody commits suicide yeah, yeah it must I mean they've obviously got the crazy working culture over there but it must feed into that social media and stuff as well i think that's something i'm noticing yeah, the, the, less of as well is like people like guys are less likely to approach women in public or like talk to people like everything's just done over hinge yeah, and, yeah, apps. and like i've got i've got hinge just now and i was i was looking at it the other day and i was thinking like when when you're on these things everyone portrays themselves in a certain fashion you've got to everyone frames herself in a certain way the way you conduct a conversation, like it's all, it's all kind of putting on an act. And I was just thinking to myself, mm-hmm. I was like, all of this is such nonsense. Like we're all human beings. Everyone in any of these conversations, like most people, all they want is someone that they can love and that will love them. I mean, like yeah. that, I think that's the, that's really the basis of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's very hard to well. I guess dating is um is is all an act. I mean, it's like if you look at it in birds as well, like birds put on like they have big plumes of feathers and stuff like that. Uh, and so like throughout the entire animal kingdom, like uh, the one with it's like everything's everything's for show. Like having a larger penis, having larger testicles, whatever is all it's all about just like show basically. I think so. I, think I guess now, that is just an extension of it. Now it's become more superficial. Like for men yeah. and looking for a partner, it's more about aesthetics than it ever has been because they've got access to unlimited people on TV shows and movies and these beautiful women. So they're just like, they have to be perfect. Exactly. Aesthetic. And on the opposite side of things, women will be looking for more resources because there's all these rich superstars online just shagging 20 yeah. birds at a time. Like it's all, it's also superficial on both sides of the thing where like naturally, if you found, like if you were to go around in the 50s or 60s like if you can strike up a conversation with someone they're probably open to getting a coffee or seeing where that's going but we have like such this yeah. such extensive knowledge as to like what's possible so everyone's like they only want the creme de la creme because they've seen it on instagram or they've seen it on twitter or they know that there's a guy mm-hmm. with more money or a girl with bigger tits like it's always just like a this fucking evil loop for fucking more um yeah and reality isn't like that well, I mean, been that's how I met my girlfriend. Robin was in Bali, just walked up to us, started having a conversation, and then me and Nick continued traveling because that's how Nick met his um, Bali girlfriend as well. Are they going to? Uh, and then they they were, but then he went to Australia and she went back to the UK. But yeah, they, they would be if he came back, they would hundred percent go out. So that's a bit of a. And it was purely from us just walking up and just starting a conversation. How have you found that? Because I've not known you. You've not. You've never been like a girlfriend guy. So, what's it like? Oh, I being... love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Talk me through that. Like, what's the, 
What's the things that you've noticed that have maybe changed about yourself or your perception? Like, what are the things that you enjoy the most? Um, a lot more caring. Like, I like think of her needs like all the time, and I, I'm I, like I'm not moaning about that. Like, I like that. Like, I like you know having not responsibility. Well, yeah, kind of responsibility, but like having to make like make sure you know that I'm that I'm being the best person that I can for her. Um, it's made me kind of like you know. Uh, up my game type thing or like improve and make sure that I'm doing well so that she's doing well that type of thing so mm. it's not just about me anymore it's about you know taking care of somebody else and I think like as an extension of that that's why like I've like I want children is because I'm like um you know I want to bring something into the world but also it's um like there's that desire for responsibility that desire for like a yeah I, I don't know what it is it's just something inbuilt but yeah, no, it's like it suits me perfectly as just being being responsible, taking care of somebody, that type of thing. I, I absolutely love it, and she's amazing as well. Do you enjoy the? She, she does. She does the exact same thing to me. Do you enjoy the comfortability of never having to look at date naps and never having to think about it in a night out because you've just got yeah, that person? It's just depressing, isn't it? It's <laughs> just so, it's so, so much lit. better. It's so much better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, but the thing is, right? So I can guarantee that any human being will have more success by walking up to another human being than they would on dating apps, right? Statistically, you're going to have more success for sure. Like it's just an actual given. You're also going to strike out in a much worse way rather than just closing the black mirror on your hand and putting it down. Like you're going to have to actually deal with the embarrassment of somebody going. Nah, not tonight. Or You're whatever. ugly. Fuck off. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. But again, it comes into that reality of like, remember what I was saying about like the social media and stuff, which is the distraction from... It's a distraction uh, from reality. It's just like a succumbing to that sedation of just here's some cheap dopamine, go to sleep, don't bother anyone, work a shit job, feed into exactly, the system. Exactly, exactly. Don't care. Here's so the thing, um, who was the guy that used to get... Sorry, just very quickly, there's a guy who used to get rejected for buying mangoes and got up to the cashier. I can't remember who it was. And he would deliberately go up to the cashier and go, okay, the mango's um, £1.10. And he go to the cashier and he go, can I have this for 15 pence? In front of everyone, the cashier would be like, no, the price is £1.10. And they go, okay, can I have it for 20 pence? And they'd do it like three or four times. And the cashier would obviously get like a bit kind of irate. Yeah. And he'd go, okay, no problem. I, like, I, I was just trying, but thank you anyway. And then walk away. And it's like, <laughs> he deliberately get rejected just built up that like rejection muscle on his head just ju- just very, very very quickly before you go your what okay on you go you go I've got a really cool wee thing that I want to um, say you just oh. said something about Berlin that made me think of something the, it was just I was gonna say right so talking on the dating app thing there's actually two things I want to cover and I'm gonna try remember this in my head talking on the the dating app thing I spoke to a female friend of mine the other day and I asked her like we're playing on her hinge. And I was like, so what do you actually use this for? Do you ever actually go out on dates with any of these guys? And she's like, honestly, nah, it's just like, if I'm being straight with you, it's just like an ego booster. And it's like, yeah, that's that's it for 99% of women that are on dating apps. I'm not looking for something serious. It's just like, that. that's their dopamine fix. And the, yeah. awful, the awful thing is like, it works the opposite way around for 99% of guys and that they'll go on Tinder or they'll go on Hinge or Bumble and they'll get a few matches within a few weeks, and it won't lead anywhere. Whereas, like a 
a bang average woman could go on a Tinder, put it up Aye, within an hour, have a hundred matches within uh, like four yeah. hours, have like fifty guys that were willing to sleep with them, like within the drop of a hat. Like it's just it's a be being a man is fucking brutal, by the way. It's <laughs> actual brutal. There's advantages so and disadvantages to both for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, I, I can walk relatively safely at night yeah. and know that I can roughly handle myself. Like, I'm all right, and that no, like people are going to be more like disinclined to like do anything. Yeah, there's a hundred percent advantages to being a man as well. But yeah, like the reality of it, or the reality from that side is like you need to actually fucking struggle to get anywhere. Do you know what I mean? You have to be like top ten percent in order to get top. 50% of women. Have you heard the, the black pill theory? Uh, no, black pill. Sounds quite cool. So, you've Give seen... Me it now. Uh, so, you've seen the whole thing with, like, blue pill and red pill, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the whole red pill thing was, like, this group of guys that were essentially, like, they were kind of, like, very misogynistic, like sort of Andrew Tatish, they were all like, um, oh, like you should have multiple wives at one time. They were kind of like, have you ever heard yeah. of the game, the pickup artist book? Mm, no. So Red Pill's just basically going into like the psychology of like women. It's all very creepy and like predatory, but Black Pill Theory yeah. kind of like, it's like a very honest, uh, honest look to it and it's like, look, yeah. here's how it works. The most attractive men whether that be based on like their appearance and money and everything else, those are the people that will get an attractive partner, get the people they want. Mm-hmm. And it just leans on that personal responsibility thing. It's like, we're not going to bullshit you. It's not like being someone that doesn't exercise and doesn't earn money. Like it's not going to get you with a good woman. It's just not. And it's, yeah. like, it's just like a very honest it's- look at it. It's like, you have to be attractive. You have to work out. You have to earn money, and you can't just be all oh, like, "I'm a nice guy," because it's not going to go anywhere. Well, so the nice guy thing as well. So what I've noticed is like I'm a bit more not cunty, but I'm a bit more. I, probably real, real probably is the word now. Is like so if I don't want to do something, I just actively say like I'm like I'm not going to do it, or like if I don't like a situation, I just say like, "Listen, I, I'm not doing that." Whereas if I was a nice guy, I think I would have put up with that like mm. a bit more and then it just leads you down like a, like a worse path as well. So yeah, I think like like being assertive and asserting yourself is actually a good thing. It leads to better outcomes. The way I sometimes think about this is training the dog, right? So if you have, uh, and I, I would be the dog in this, this instance, um, if you have a dog that understands the rules and it understands why it's not allowed to go on the couch, understands uh, like how to behave, then it has a much more relaxed life and the owner has a much more relaxed life because they're not constantly shouting at the dog. So the owner isn't shouting at the dog and the dog isn't getting shouted at. So it understands the rules, it understands the game, it understands how to play it, it understands how to fit in. And I think that's the exact same thing with humans as well, is they're going to have a much easier life if they just understand the rules of the game. And the rules of the game aren't obvious, that's the problem, is nobody comes and tells you the rules of the game. Uh, okay. They tell you what they think the rules of the game are, and that is go out and get a good job, blah, blah. But in reality, the rules of the game are actually accumulate, well, for some people, would be accumulate as much money as possible, get yourself seriously fit, become mentally attractive. So, like, read um, read different books, read kind of from a wide range of stuff. And, yeah, like, uh, you, you'll get yourself with a good partner 
and having a good partner is going to lead to a better life and the, the two of you can build together and relationships are really, really fun and blah, blah, blah. What I'm really extracting from that is like it's on the basis of that, it's setting your boundaries with people and saying, look, this is yeah. how I am as a person. You can either take it or leave it. And I think that will filter out all of the wrong people and all the right people. Just on the yeah. the concept of like your personality and how that is perceived by other people, I think it's really hard to be a judge of your own character and see your own flaws and see your own good at. Like you are the hardest person to judge is always yourself. So I was listening to a podcast the other day and I was talking about this guy and basically I think he was like 25 or 30 at this point, but he sent out a questionnaire to all of the people closest to him that knew him the most and he sent Mm -hmm. an anonymous questionnaire and he was like, right, what do you like about me? What do you not like about me? What do you think I don't do well? What do you think I do do well? And like his friends were like, you're fucking insane, but like, well, obviously answer because it's anonymous. And he got all these responses back and it allowed him to like really seriously reflect on his own life and yeah. like how he's perceived by other people. So my my like thinking behind that is like there's obviously a fine balance between like, oh, here's my personality, everybody take it. But how you're perceived mm-hmm. does matter as well. So sometimes you need those honest moments of like reflection from other people that are like maybe, oh, you're not doing that right or you could be doing this better or I'd appreciate that more. And I've noticed that twice actually that's happened recently in my life and I think it's both times that I've been given that honest critical feedback. It's made me iterate in a positive direction. So one of them was from our own mum and dad. They listened to the podcast and they were like, some of the conversations mm-hmm. are too informal and you swear too much. And I like initially I was like, my ego got the best of me. I was like, ah, oh, like fuck off. And I've just I've, I've beaten the point yeah. over there. But I was like, Oh, I'm not gonna listen to you, and then I let it sit for a few days and I was like, ah, actually they do make a good point because there's a certain balance to play. And another one was a friend that I was speaking to recently that I've made here. I made out traveling. Um and we we're out here in Australia and she said to me recently like just a few days ago we went out had a walk and she said like I realised that you've not been making as much of an effort to see me as much recently and it was one of those things that I'd kind of been putting off but never fully confronted and that conversation was like a really honest and candid conversation that helped me move forward so yeah I'm I'm on the I'm on the brink of maybe sending that questionnaire out to like friends and family and just being like look I'd love an honest answer because I want to be the best version of myself and I want to be able to like understand my yeah. flaws and be as self-aware as possible as a thing like I don't want to live in this fantasy world that I've made myself and you need to make that fantasy world so much exactly I, I don't yeah, want to yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have these blind spots of like I've fucking deluded myself into thinking I am more than I am like I want to understand reality as it is well so I think the delusion is actually great but it just depends where you want to go so like is the delusion like a defense mechanism or is the delusion because like so for example it's good to delude yourself and to mr beast what's the guy's name jimmy something talks about this and he's like i was fucking delusional at the start because i was like um i had to delude myself into thinking that i could become the greatest uh, the biggest creator on youtube and it doesn't happen by chance like you notice that all the people who get somewhere they are delusional because they reject what reality is telling them mm. but then um like so you have to be delusional in that sense but then you can't be delusional in thinking i'm the greatest in the world but then you're not doing anything to become the greatest in the world you can't just like charge about and be like i'm i'm 
you know, six foot four. Like you're obviously not fucking six foot four. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like it, it, it doesn't work like that. It's the same with your um your personality. So like if you like if you're say Tom Bellew's got a really really good thing about this, and he's like, I didn't pride myself on being the best. I pride myself on uh, working to my best or something like that. So he was like, rather than being like I'm the greatest uh, business owner in the world, he would like he would say, what was it? Um, I'm working to the or I, I am a uh, very skillful in this or I'm working to the best of my ability in this and so it's like you're still delusional in the sense that like there probably are people out there like realistically that are better than you but you're not delusional in the sense of being like I'm the greatest business owner in the world but you're obviously not because you're not earning 10 billion pounds a year or whatever it is mm. so yeah there's like a mix of delusions that um, but I, I 100% believe you have to be I mean I have to be delusional to be in crypto like to be in crypto full stop you have to be absolutely fucking delusional you're looking at dog coins coming up and running 10 was it 50 million percent shiba did <laughs> from the start and you're just like this doesn't even make sense when you actually start to drill into it it does when you look at the how mimetics work how it's actually inbuilt in human desire to like go after things that other people are going after it does all actually make sense but um i have to be delusional to think i'm going to make all this money before i'm 30 but then I have to actually do the work in order to put myself in the position to do the things that have happened before, to do the things that I think that are going to happen, etc., etc. Um, so it's just about what delusion. But like, I'm not delusional about like I'm I'm a great guy. Like I'm probably bang average. I do bad things. I do good things. I also don't care as well. Like I'm just like I'm what I'm. Like take it as it is, you know. But like I, I like I'm like a good person. Like I'll help people in the street. I always give homeless people money. That type of thing. If that makes you a good person, then I'm a good person. Yeah. Like, it's just... But you can like, be a dick sometimes, and I'm the same as well. Like, there's good yeah, things. That yeah, I think that's, that's, morally, our, our centres are definitely set straight, but we're not, like, amazing people. Yeah. I, I, I don't think... I mean, I wouldn't want to be an amazing person as well, because I think... It's just too much on your conscious, wouldn't it? high standard. Yeah. Yeah, you're just... You're holding yourself to high standard... Yeah, it weighs too much your conscience. You just you're you're constantly thinking, and again, that is a selfish thing. And again, I don't actually care, but it's like very much like you have to think, um, you know, like constantly being critical of yourself. And then where does it actually get you as well? <clears throat> so one of the things that I've become a bit disillusioned with is the world in general. So I don't know how quick to describe this. There's a lot of factors that come into it, but like the news, for example. The news can, even the BBC, very impartial news service, can convince you that the world is good or bad, regardless, like just what, by whatever stories they publish, right? Yeah, yeah. And none of it's real, right? None of it is, like, good and bad isn't a real thing. So what's good to somebody is bad to another person. Yeah. So, like, Hitler, for example, probably thought he was doing good. He probably thought he was a good guy and doing really, really good. And then if you come down that whole spectrum, there's probably a lot of people out there who do what we would perceive as bad things, but they're probably like, yeah, but I'm doing it to cleanse the earth of Jewish people or whatever. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, we find that bad. And the person's like, no, but it's good because X, Y, and Z. And they've just been convinced either way. So nothing's real, right? Nothing actually exists. And once you kind of like, once I've kind of like, I've become completely disillusioned with the world. And once you kind of take your, yourself out of that, you're like, oh, I can actually mould the world to be able And I've only realised this in the last like four months, five months or something. But I can actually like mould the world to the way that I want it, and I can go and do the things that I want. I need to put in the work, obviously, but like I don't have to fit into X amount of box. And the thing that I do doesn't have to be 
a good thing. It just I can just do it because I want to do it. For example, um, yeah, I think that's plays into what you're saying as well. Yeah, and just for anyone listening, we're not uh, advocating for Nazi Germany to no. take over again. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> let's, I, let's not invade Poland. To to understand what you're saying, I, like, I, I get what you mean because I think for me as well, I've got complete mistrust in anything, like any media at all. <laughs> like, I, I only trust things through my own personal experience or anecdotal evidence from people close to me. And I think there just is, like, there's just, I think the world and society is perfectly aware of what's going upstairs, what's going on upstairs is there's just people with mm-hmm. unlimited money and power and they orchestrate the world to be in their manner. And I think our personalities of maybe not caring or being a bit selfish actually helps a little bit because it means you can remove yourself from all of that noise and be like, okay, what is, what's going to make me happy? And what should I focus on? And you can just cut all that because we just don't care enough to think about it all. And I always think it must be exhausting for people that are like social justice warriors or people that are really invested in these these different issues. Like it must be an exhausting time just thinking and campaigning and stuff like that. And I don't really want to go into like how, because it would take fucking hours to really dissect how people end up in these these situations of these mindsets but it just must be an exhausting life to to live well, to have to care about so many things i said that to a few people where they're like i do this quite a lot of people like i'm usually quite blunt with people and i love when people are blunt with yeah. me and i've had friends talk to me recently and they're like oh i don't know how to say this to this person i'd be like just fucking tell them like why do you care like if they don't yeah. like it they don't like it I think part of the social justice warrior thing is they're running from something as well and that like doing social justice is like a way for them to feel as if like I'm doing something good in the world or like I'm worthy basically without actually earning that work. It's all value and, and so it's all all yeah, anyone's trying but, to do is feel as if they're hollow. worth something. Yeah. But but it's also hollow, uh, remember, so like if you're going out and being a social justice warrior, you're never going to scratch that itch because you're never going to be a good well you're never going to be like consider yourself a good person or live up to standards or whatever because it's just constantly chasing that next thing basically so it's the exact same behavior as is enacted by social media like people are addicted to social media or porn or drugs or drink or whatever but it's just a different conduit for that behavior basically you're just trying to scratch that itch of feeling worthy and feeling as if you're actually worth something in the world but well here, here's the um, thing i mean w- w- i think i've got some thoughts on this i think like religion it's got it's got its uses and it's got its disadvantages with social justice if you think about things that have happened in history like the suffragettes and stuff equal rights for women that was obviously a very just Mm. cause and that was that was conducted by social justice warriors so there are obviously use cases for it it's just there's probably there's there's probably a lot of causes that um will never ever change no matter the amount of protests around it and are maybe just like kind of misfed information in the first place so they're going about things in the wrong way but yeah, yeah. well I mean like focused on the big issues and stuff because the suffragette movement and the civil rights movement they were worldly movements as well like they 100% had to happen and they've benefited, benefited society and women and uh, people of colour massively as well so those were definitely worthwhile movements 
Um, but I think quite a lot of it is like people are projecting onto movements that might not be worthwhile or like incidents that aren't worthwhile. And again, that just leads to like a sense of dissatisfaction because you're like, what have I actually done? Like, you know, I've maybe moved the needle what a fraction of a percent, but you know, I've spent ten years doing it. Like, what was the point in that? But it's you've actually just been better, being like, listen, I'm just gonna go and create a family and then be quite happy that way. Just fulfill my like biological instincts or whatever. I think it's stoked though. It's like obviously stoked massively by the media. They constantly fuel that fire. Yeah. And they make people like Because it gets clicked. I was talking to you about this the other day, so there's a call I can't remember the exact name of it. If you look up um valency and social media, they basically measured oh, people's yeah, yeah, yeah. they measured people's reactions to different content. And there was on the X axis, it was uh, good on one side and bad on the other side. And on the Y axis, yeah. it was from low extreme to high extreme. And it found that it didn't really matter whether it was good or bad. Where they found the most mm-hmm. clicks was when something was extremely good or extremely bad. So if something makes you feel like a high valency of emotions, that's what gets the most mm-hmm. clicks. It doesn't matter if it's just a little bit good or a little bit bad. You don't give a fuck. It has to be fucking amazing. Sorry, mom and dad. Or the worst thing in the world. And it's just like, it's like what triggers people. And that's what's led yeah. to this kind of generation. And it's, it's a shame because a lot of it, it's making issues out of nothing. And both on yeah, the yeah, left course, yeah. and on the right, it's like they'll feed information to both left and the right and they'll say, right, you just need to conflict over this issue. Whereas really, like, if they were just normal people, like, they could just, without this stuff they've been fed, they could probably just have a conversation, come to a reasonable understanding and then go on yeah, with their lives. 100%. But also, it's I don't understand where it, like, how is it a thing? Like, I, don't, I, don't, I can't grasp where it's come from. So, like, is there a man or a woman or an entity behind the scenes that's pulling all the strings and going, we're going to get you to argue with you, blah, blah, or is it just naturally formed that things have just separated or pulled in such a... Like, I don't... I, I can't grasp why, like, media outlets, for example, it's or social media, whatever, is so extreme. I, 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 I don't get money. it. I don't understand how. Right, so it's money. So they'll have, they'll have the algorithms that obviously feed you more of the information that you find 0.3 of a second more interesting than another YouTube shot or another TikTok or another Instagram reel. So your algorithm will feed you whatever you're looking for. And the people in these massive multinational companies, the TikToks, the Instagram, the Twitter, everything else, the way they make money is through your attention. So they just see, right, okay, Mm -hmm. what's going to get the most clicks? What's going to keep them on the platform the longest? They say that or they see that as like extremist content or something that makes you feel very extreme on either manner or rages you or makes you feel incredible. And they're like, we need to feed these people as much of that as possible because that makes us the most money. So it's, li- it's literally just a power and wealth thing. That's all it is. It's nothing more. It's simple human carnal desire. So essentially, see 10 outlets, so media and social media platforms, have essentially completely corrupted the brains of the entire nation or billions, the entire world. Billions of people because but these like people at the top... Ten outlets, basically. Well, here's the thing, right, is I think within the next 10, 15 years, there'll be an ethical social media push and that, I mean, yeah. it'll be so hard for this to get through, but I think there'll be... 
more of a move towards trying to make a social media that's actually safe for people to use in terms of it doesn't completely corrupt your brain and ruin your attention span like that's yeah. something i would love to make would be like a social media that's based on sort of like like imagine reddit with the the sub communities that's easier to interact with your friends there's controls on it so you can't put any like extremist content or any porn or anything like that on it so you can go on this and you yeah. can be assured that if you're on this platform you can speak to people within the same communities you know it's safe you know you can't get stuck down like six second video rabbit holes like it's not it's not meant for your mm -hmm. attention it would run on donations that's that's a dream i'd love to make something like that it'd be hard to get a user base but i think there's enough people out there that are sick and tired of just like being sedated and knowing that there's no way out because there's no other option to how to conduct a social media how to be part of a network or group of people without being mm -hmm. on twitter or on tiktok or on instagram or on youtube Yes, uh, it would just be so hard to do because the whole freedom thing, they're like, okay, so who's the who's the ultimate censor in this? Who's the person that's actually censoring that information? One thing that's... That would be the, the difficult thing to come across. Just like throughout this whole discussion, I mean, a lot of things we discuss kind of like centre around the subject of of mental health and how we are kind of dealing with our modern environment, how we interact with technology. I was just wondering if mm -hmm. you would maybe have any advice for being three years older, because you're someone I go to when I'm maybe struggling with like my mental health or I'm struggling with something. You're mm -hmm. you're the first person I'll phone. So, just in terms of like, if you were to give advice, like twenty three year olds out there listening, twenty one year olds listening, going through some stuff, what what's kind of some lessons you've learned? Probably seek some help if it's really really bad. I'd say is good advice. Um, from like a licensed therapist or a yes, somebody that actually knows how to navigate the brain. Because when you look, when you actually look at it, all it is is like little connections firing. So, um, like everybody's problems are really really complex until you realise that it's literally just a like neurons firing. That's all it is. So like certain pathways have just been made, and it's very very hard to break down those pathways and then make new pathways. So for example, thinking negatively rather than thinking positively. It's purely just the way your neurons are firing. There's nothing special or unique or different about it. It's just a brain and it just it's a big bit of mush and it just works in a certain way. And no matter like what the actual thing is that's happened, is it can still be repaired to an extent, not all, all the way fully. Like if something very traumatic's happened when you're younger, it's gonna be very difficult to repair. Or if you haven't built those connections, so it's thing can't remember what it's called, a detachment theory or something, I think it's called. Mm. Really like if you don't get picked up when you're young and like loved and stuff like that, um, then you you can't develop empathy. And it's very very difficult to, or maybe impossible to do that when you're older. Mm. Can't remember if it's impossible or difficult, but most things can be fixed. That's the the kind of first thing to realise because your brain is just like a big machine and it's just it's basically just a poorly running machine and you just need to maybe add some more oil here or take some time and then rebore the the cylinders or shave off cylinder heads or something, there'll be something that can be done for it. Um, I'd say that's probably the first bit of advice. Uh, second bit would be, say that's probably a risky one, but seek out people who can then describe that process to you in real time on social media. So although social media might be the problem for a lot of people, like what I found was like looking at Andrew Huberman videos, I was like, oh, that's how it works. Like, okay, I get this now. And then, okay, this is what he says to go and do, like in order to help that. 
Um, and then stick with it. It'd probably be it'd probably be like the last thing as well. So whatever change you're going to, you have to make a change, right? That's mm. the thing that everybody tries to avoid, and that's why everybody's on social media. Is you need to at some point face that and then make a change. It doesn't just go away by itself. Mm. You need to like, make some sort of change in your life and then continue with that change. Um, so we'd probably be stick to it. Um, seek out people who have changed before and then mimic what they've done uh, to change it. But yeah, probably just go and get professional help. It'll cost you couple hundred pounds and then you know you've got that uh, you've got that issue sorted basically mm-hmm. how how do you deal with maybe a period where like you're dealing with a bad period of mental health how do you kind of get yourself out of that stupor so one thing that i found helpful over the last year was like so the one foot in front of the other idea so i used to do it when i was running was like say i ran 10k and then i wanted to go 15 but i was fucked at 10k I was like, okay, I'll just put one foot in front of the other. Right, okay, I'll just put another one, another one, another one, another one. And then before you know it, you've ran 15K. It's not as easy as that. And then you're feeling shit the entire way. But you've still done that 15K by the end of it. Um, so if you're going through a bad period, stop, reflect. Um, reflect on like, like where you are, the hands you've been dealt and stuff. But then it's having, again, the thing that helped me was like um, increasing my testosterone levels, for example. Um, would, that, would you say that's made a difference to your mental health? 100%. 100 million percent. I can, like, it's quantifiable. Like, get, get on the turkey, it's boys. Crazy. Yeah, or, like, get on the juice. <laughs> um, nah, just purely because, like, the, the, the actual description for it is it makes effort feel easy. So that's what, um, that's like Huberman's description of an increase in testosterone. Yeah. It's because it's like, you know, the most successful people in a hunter-gatherer society were the ones who go out and hunted. So they basically, it's a dopamine reward circuit. So every time you found food, you would get dopamine. So then you'd be, uh, you would want to go and find more food. But the initial driver was testosterone. That's what like got you up and about mm. was like that. Okay. Um, and it, yeah, funnily enough, people who were most successful in hunter-gatherer society were the ones with the highest uh, testosterone. wasn't like thinking smart; it was like literally going and doing. Uh, yeah, get on the turkey if you, or get on your Fedoja Gratis and your Tonka Ali complex because yeah, inc- increasing testosterone just the brain just feels so much more calm, more relaxed. It knows what it needs to do. Um, I think the way that I speak about it quite a lot is it's two separate systems. So there's my thinking system. So you heard me speak there. The brain knows what it needs to do. Mm. Is like you are the driver of your body and your brain. Like the brain isn't driving you. You're the actual driver of it. And so if you do the things that make your brain feel good or like that balance those hormones in the right way, that realign your body in the right way, um, then you'll get to the right place, basically. Working out as well. 100% lifting weights, working out all scientifically proven it just takes you to actually do it no matter where you're starting just like get started and go and do it so hard to do i, I get that sort of do and you can talk yourself out of anything but um yeah so a, a summary of that would all be go and seek professional help understand how your brain works and then go and do the things you need to do i know it's shit i know it's like it's so difficult to get started and stuff like that and it'll probably take years to like realign your brain like it's going to take that long unfortunately for a lot of people because you do need to completely realign. You need to completely change the way the brain thinks in order to not be depressed. But 
yeah, you can actually start to use it for a good thing. Like every time you feel bad, you're like, okay, well, I'm doing something wrong. What do I need to do right? What do I need to do right? What do I need to do right? Mm. And you can do it. Yeah. Just before we finish up, where would you say your mental health your mental health is at right now on a scale of one to ten? Ten, I would say ten being a good one. Yeah. Yeah, ten easily. Unreal. Easily ten, and it's and and I'm not in a better place. Like I'm not in an actual financially. Uh, I mean, I'm living at home with mum and dad. Like I've not got all those trappings of success. I'm driving a fifteen hundred pound car. Like I've not got those trappings of success, but. Um, I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, I, I, again, like I understand how the brain works. I understand that if I do start to feel bad, it's because of something that issue then needs fixed. If it's unfixable, then I need to figure out ways to deal with that issue. You can always end up dealing with it. You can always change the way you think about it. Um, yeah, I think I've just got myself to a stage where, like, it, uh, like again, maybe it comes into the kind of nothing's real, the whole like disillusion, disillusionment with like reality and media and blah blah is like none of it's real none of it actually exists and like your feelings although you feel your feelings like like but what does that mean like it's completely irrelevant <laughs> yeah to, to I, the I world. think the completely irrelevant. <clears throat> like hermosi talks about this i'm glad to i'm glad to hear that you're a 10 by the way but um hermosi talks about this like what, just, what about you i'd say like i'm a solid seven just now not seven not the happiest I've ever been, but definitely not, like, super, super upset. I think, for me right now, I think it's because I've cut out so much of the distractions and the dopamine, and I'm going yeah. through those initial stages of trying to build something, and it's quite difficult and quite hard. Yeah. And I'm also, one of the things I'm struggling with a little bit is that I'm in a new country entirely. So mm -hmm. those friendships that I built up over... 14, 15 years, those really deep connections. Like I just don't have them out here because I've been here for such a shallow amount of time. So it's really, really hard to yeah. find those people that will support you in that way. But it's definitely on its way up again because I've been having more of these honest conversations with friends and family and stuff as well. Um, so, mm -hmm. for example, the conversation with Kyle Mayer the other day was like massively helpful. And we've agreed to keep each other accountable in terms of our success and where we're going and stuff. And even just having like, so now like building this podcast and committing to it, having a goal that's larger than myself is just something that I've always wanted. I've always wanted to build something. Purpose. So it's, yeah, purpose. That's it, mate. That's it. So having the purpose of this is 100% helping and moving up. But um, yeah, I'm like, you know, the, the one step, in front of the other approach of like going to the gym yeah. and everything else that's that's definitely the way i'm going through just now but i know what it's like because i've went through like mental health is a hard one to discuss but i think i'll just in full transparency speak about it in the podcast um i've gone mm -hmm. through periods where i've not felt great i've not felt awesome maybe like three or four months at a time and then i'll go through yep. six months of feeling incredible <laughs> like I couldn't put my finger on what exactly it is I have a slight understanding maybe it's to do with like being sober and doing other things but sometimes I'll just go through three months of feeling like shit and then I'll have four months of feeling fucking awesome so for me yep. I always like I'm lucky enough that I've never been depressed or anything like that never been clinically depressed and I always know that there's like light at the end of that tunnel there's always going to be a period where that switches and I know that that's coming at some mm -hmm. point so that does help. Um, 
But yeah, I would just, I'd love if anyone like was listening uh, to this and they managed to get through it like an hour and 45 minutes of what this podcast is. Um, if they are like struggling with anything or they want to have an honest, honest conversation about their goals or their mental health or like where they're going, like they could talk to me or talk to you or talk to their friends, like anyone they yep. feel like reaching out to. Um, because I think everyone fucking struggles with it, just no one talks about it. Yeah, it's, it's it's that old cliche, and it's like even though even if you try to be like right, okay, we should talk about this more, still you need to go over that barrier, that entirely human barrier of like, okay, I need to protect myself, and if I tell people all these problems, then they can use that against me, and then if they use that against me, then I'm fucked basically. So yeah. it's like getting over. I mean, which which isn't going to happen, but or ninety nine percent of the time, it's not going to happen. But um, yeah, it's like just it's overcoming that be that be bit of your brain. But no, I, I'm I'm glad to hear you. Uh, you know, seven. I, I'm probably about a seven or eight to be honest. Like, uh, this isn't like the best I've ever felt. Mm. It's just like everything just seems clear. I think mm. so. Like, mm, things just aren't bothering me. Yeah, the it's understanding just, of where you can take yeah. it and that clarity in your life. Yeah, uh, th- th- there's no like the weird thing is there's no motivation. There's no drive. But, well, there is drive. There's like no. I'm not like right. Let's get up and smash the day. I literally just get up, put my shoes on go and do blah 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 and then I come home and then I do something else and then there's no there's no down there's no up there's just I'm just kind of like yep cool I'm just gonna go and do this and mm. it's like it's easy like just fucking everything's just easy and it's I, I think avoiding those crashes again this is going to come back to the dopamine thing because I've reset that dopamine level is my body isn't hunting for that dopamine high and then when it gets it or doesn't get it then you get the dopamine low so there's no there's no ups and downs it's just right okay you go and do this and it's yeah it's just an actual breeze yeah I think that's why anyway if we were to summarise this podcast in like one sentence how would you put it right I've got a sentence for you then right I don't know if I should summarise it but um, so the sentence uh, more people have been to Berlin than I have right that makes sense doesn't it Mm -hmm. right think about it again more people have been to Berlin than I have. Yeah. <laughs> really think about it. More people have been to Berlin than I have. Yeah. Okay. I'm confused. <laughs> the sentence makes no sense whatsoever. It makes zero sense. Of course, more people have been to Berlin than you have. No. Think more people have been to Berlin than I have. The sentence makes zero sense ah oh, so it does <laughs> so it, it took does. me so long it took me so long I was like more people have been to Berlin and I was like whoa more people have been to Berlin than I have because initially you think that you're one and then more people is more than one right but the structure of the sentence makes no sense whatsoever none Where did, what's the I thought point that was where did you get that uh, it was just a thing that I, uh, I saw ages ago. Kind of mind if I saw it. The 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 uh, country or the city changes, so it can be Russia. It's called a comparative illusion, mm. um, or an Escher sentence, I think it's called. Um, and it's basically, yeah, I, I just thought it was a kind of cool wee summary for it. But um, it was because you mentioned Berlin. I was like, I just had that in my head. More people have been to Berlin than I have. It just makes absolutely no sense. It just. Absolutely did not summarize very cool, but did not summarize the podcast whatsoever. So I'm gonna do it for us. Summary summary of the podcast. Okay, okay. Take Turkey. Uh yeah. 
don't watch porn, don't go on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, be a bit of a dick, um, but only to the degree that you're still a good person, but kind of just be very straight with people. Be honest yeah. at all be, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celebrate having agency of your own life. Understand that social media and all these things are for their benefit, not for yours. And to use them effectively is going to be very, very difficult. And understand that every day that you don't do something that commits towards your other goals is another day spent sedated. So imagine yourself there in 10 years' time. Other than yeah. that... So I, I would probably agree with that, yeah. There we are. Other than that, travel. Um, yeah, just do what you care about. Be respectful. Okay. Embrace reality. Like, what is the reality of the situation? Don't try and convince yourself that, um, okay, I need to go and do this, or like, I need to be an X, Y, and Z. Like, what is the reality of the situation? This is where you are now. If you want to get there, then you need to do this. Like, that's the reality. There's no two ways about it. Stop procrastinating. Stop watching social media because you know it's bad for you, don't you? Yeah. Okay, we'll stop watching it then. It's just it's like that's the reality of the situation. And it's once you get to the reality, you're like, ah, oh, okay, that's what I need to do. And then you go do it. I like it. Sorted. We'll finish off there. Bang.